House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres.
Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and of course, I'm Al Warren. And on the other side of the country, we've got Mr. Mr. Rose Martini back. <laughs> the man of a thousand names. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, you're, when you're running from the law, you got to keep it, you know, real. That's true. I'm on the lamb. You're on the lamb, and you, gotta <laughs> keep, you, never, you never want them to find you. Right? No. I mean, exactly. You know, I'm in hiding. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is great. I, I just, uh, of course, you've seen that bite we're supposed to talk about with the <laughs> band of the uh, lead singer uh, urinating on one of her uh, audience members. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, geez, you know, and you, you went to the monkeys and you're into yeah. Run DMC and all this stuff. You are missing the best concerts. I, I don't know what's happened. I'm like, you know. I'm out of the loop. Yeah, get your... Give your head a shake, man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know. Uh, man, this world's crazy. Going, it's going crazy, you know. I just, I'm going to keep hidden for the rest of my life. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so now we, and we've got uh, a, another musician on. Um, yes. I, he's, I think he's quite a bit better than uh, what this band is. I'm not even saying their name. <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, written a new book as well. And we're going to talk to him about the book and his life and everything like that. Um, now, the book is called Minor Assassin. Sounds, sounds like your kind of book. And um, now, the author is here. His name is Jaquin Joyner. Thank you for being here. Hey, hey, thanks for inviting me, Alan. Um, <laughs> uh, quite quite a funny funny opening. Uh, some, someone's, so people are peeing on people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's a new one. Okay, I mean, I don't do that. <laughs> oh, you see, now this is this is the way of, of selling out a show, mm. right? Ah, it's thing. Well, you know, the <laughs> thing the thing is, the, the bottom line on that one, I have to say, is the song that they're doing is just horrible. It's they're redoing old metal songs and hard rock songs to brass and woodwind, and she sings over it, and it just sounds awful. It sounds like a mess, you know. Um, uh, and and I'm thinking, so you do something to attract the whole country to you, and everyone's going to look or hear it, and they're going to hear this song and think, oh my god, this is awful. Um, <laughs> y- you know, if you're going to do that, you better have a good product, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just because you uh, pee on your audience doesn't necessarily mean they're going to like the music. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, hopefully for the guy, the pee was better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you were into that. I don't know. It seems it seems rather uh, kind of a uh, kind of an iffy thing to do too with the uh, pandemic and everything going on. And yeah. <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> you know, they p- people do not. Uh, they're always surprising me. I'm never shocked anymore at this. By the time I'm almost sixty, and it's almost, thank God, it's almost over. <laughs> uh, well, so so you're you're a young, bright. You got it all. Um, you know, you're a musician. You've done really well. You've written hit songs. You you do really well touring, and now you're going into writing, or I guess it's your second book. But so. Wow, so you have a lot of talent. You've got it all. Looks, charms, music, writing. Um, well, <laughs> what are you doing on this show? No, just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> somewhere someone's supposed to be paying me. I'm not sure, but yeah. uh, we can talk about 
<laughs> check is in the mail. Yeah, check's in the mail. Uh, you know, <laughs> Dave will send it to you as soon as he yes. gets near a uh, computer. All right, yeah. Yes, yes. I accept <laughs> the cold hard cash and uh, all kinds of Zell, PayPal, all of it. You know, just send it on this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, being such uh, okay, so you're successful at being a musician. So what made you go into writing something like Minor Assassin? Like that's a, that's a I don't know, I don't want to say a risk, but it is sort of something that's completely different. You know, um, I think when it, came, when it comes to music, because um, I'm a songwriter and I write the majority of all of my music, um, and, and most of the hit songs that have been playing on the radio that people hear on Sirius XM are original songs that I write. Um, but I think there, there came a time when um, I just wanted to use more of my imagination. And I don't know if I have ADD or whatever you want to call it, uh, but I just wanted to find another outlet. Because, you know, I'm a big fan of you know, movies and, and, and stories and, and plots and things like that since, ever since I was a young kid. Um, I never thought I'd write uh, an entire book. <laughs> um, in fact, my first novel, uh, which is uh, Zaria, um, that was my first book, and that came out uh, 2015, I believe it was. I started writing that while on tour. Um, you know, I, was, I toured Russia, and um, five weeks we were there, just touring the whole country by train, and there was these times where it's like before sound check where you're just, you know, they haven't even built a stage and you're there, you gotta wait an hour or two hours, and I'm like, I just started writing stuff, <laughs> you know, on my, on my computer, and um, I guess I kept writing stuff, <laughs> and then next thing you know, I'm like, let's make something of this stuff, right? You know, so, um, uh, and, and, and I think it took about two years to, to finish it, and, and you know, I had no idea how to put plots together, characters, none of that stuff. I was just letting my mind just just go, really. Right. And um, the next thing you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm kind of putting something together, and I had uh, someone that I, I hired who um, is uh, really good at editing and writing and um, take a look at the gibberish <laughs> and say, we can, you know, um, I think you should really work on making this a story. Um, you know, so I kept at it, wrote it again, and um, started to understand how characters work and things like that. Um, in the end of which is um, Zaria, which is the first book, which is a science fiction, teenage science, I call it teen science fiction, Teenage Girl Saves the World on Another Planet with Flying Drones and Skyscrapers and Aliens, stuff like that. <laughs> and so, but you were playing in Russia. Wow, that that's be quite the experience to be performing in Russia, you know. I hear they like people peeing on people first. <laughs> anyway. You know... <laughs> You know, it's uh, it would be really cold. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. It was very cold there, um, and uh, gosh, it was the coldest I've ever been. I mean, I've, I've never, you haven't experienced cold until you go to Russia. I mean, it's something else, and, and they, it seems like they continue to move and, and work and operate in, in this freezing weather, including taking off in a blizzard. I mean, we took off in a blizzard from Moscow. It's like, there's no way we're flying in this. And they, they strap up, yes, you are flying in this. <laughs> So, well, um, just a bit they, they probably get used to it, you know. 
Yeah, I would think so. I mean, but all that stuff helped, I think, with uh, writing. I mean, I said something about being in a strange place with strange language that just, I don't know, fuels your imagination, you know. Um, so, um, you know, and, you know, touring, there's a lot of waiting when you're touring, you know. So I, I guess I did have a lot of time when I toured Russia. We, we went down and toured, to, we toured Japan and a couple other places so um that's when i started writing you know but i had been touring many years before i became an author um more recently uh my most recent book which is different than the first book th this first book is more of a pg-13 kind of a story it's not you know it's it's you're shooting um laser beams and, and instead of real bullets like in minor assassin right so it's a different feel um minor assassin is where um you know um, a teenage um, well actually it's a young boy who um and i don't want to give away the story too much but um through tragedy um you know he's um whipped off to japan because there was a home invasion and you know they killed his parents right in front of him he's hiding in a pantry at eight years old Luckily, he stays in a pantry and doesn't leave. Um, turns out his dad worked for some really rich uh, Asians. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some bad things happen. He gets whipped off to Japan. His sister gets kidnapped. She stays in Las Vegas. He goes to Japan, learns language, learns how to fight, learns how to kill, comes back to Las Vegas, and he wants to find his sister. He wants to kill those bad dudes who hurt his family and he's only you know 15 years old so um the crazy thing is is he's doing the job that the detectives are supposed to be doing in las vegas and and the detectives are like you know who's killing off all these bad dudes so it turns out it's uh little john uh, uh looking for his sister and you know he's he's hell bent on revenge really so he <laughs> so that's in a nutshell that's a minor assassin <laughs> well, you, you read about uh, martial arts. I'm wondering, um, are you drawing from experience in martial arts, or is it just imagination? I ask because I've, I've done martial arts for a long time, and that tends to end up in my fiction as well. You know, um, I, I've always had a fast. I never really took martial arts as far as I wanted to. I did do mm -hmm. Gojuru a little while, mm -hmm. um, while high school, and um, I did have uh, my teacher, uh, another teacher who was like excellent at Aikido, and it was more personal training stuff, but nothing that went to, you know, black belt, silver belt, first dan, second dan, none of those things. I just had a fascination for fighting. I love uh, uh, Bruce Lee, Jet Li, uh, <laughs> Jack <Jackson. laughs> Great stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, so, but I wanted to put, you know, a Jet Li and a young African-American boy, hmm. um, minor assassin, um, who's just angry, really. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing about the story is, you know, it's a human trafficking network of Asians that are in Las Vegas that uh, his father was actually rescuing um, a lot of the girls uh, and, and a lot of the kids from the human trafficking network. Turns out his father rescued the wrong person. That's why they came to the house and took him in, in and out, you know. So his, his son didn't really know about what was going on. All he, know, all he knew was he watched his parents be killed. Um, but, you know, in Japan, he learns the language. Um, the people that his father uh, worked for um, were, were, were good. Well, there's two factions. There's the bad faction. That's the, these are the uh, human traffickers. And then there's another Asian faction that's actually trying to stop the bad faction. His father worked for the good faction. So, um, but they were they were the ones who took John in to Japan and and uh, to, taught him everything you know that he could learn and to help him to go back to Vegas uh, to to get his revenge and find his sister before she gets sold off. So it's a more of a real story 
than Zarya, which is more, uh, you know, on another planet, and a lot of the characters, you know, have tails and ears, and it's, you know, so it's, you know, different feel. Um, for some reason, I keep finding myself writing with the teenager in mind, which I'm not sure what that's about. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, we w we won't talk about that on air. So. <laughs> 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 it's it's interesting, you know. But you know, writing when you're uh, in a uh, in a foreign place like Russia. I mean, and I don't know about you, but anytime I'm going around city to city, um, I like writing that way because it's it's a way you feel like um, you're kind of alone, even though there's like a million people around you. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that creates some sort of atmosphere where you can be into yourself and and express yourself in writing for instance or maybe even music to uh, uh that you couldn't when you're at home yeah yes you know i found that um really my my creative mind tends to open up when i am in a strange place you know like i said russia i don't speak russian <laughs> so um you are definitely a stranger there but it does put you in this in this zone where you can really dig deep into yourself and come up with things that you wouldn't at home so i, I totally agree uh, uh with that but even uh, on musically you know because I, I i found that um you know writing songs and it kind of feels the same in a, in a sense that you know you're just um kind of putting down what's in your head first and then after a while you start to try to make sense of what you put down and then you start to think well okay what's this going to sound like for someone who hears it for the very first time you know um and can it will it make sense to the, to the listener you know and i kind of feel the same way when it comes to writing you know um you know when they read this first chapter they don't know anything about the book you know so is it going to catch their attention is it going to make sense you know so it's really felt the same i kind of drew, drew from my experience as a songwriter and 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 kind of used the same energy in, in writing uh stories so it's kind of weird it felt the same <laughs> well i wonder because as um as a songwriter or a musician when you um put music out there you're kind of sharing some of your own soul in a way you're, you're expressing some sort of an emotion or feelings or something and you're sharing it with the world and i i think that with the book you kind of have to do the same um mm -hmm. when you're writing a story does that sort of ever freak you out a little as i guess we stay or kind of it, you know because the world's so social media like you do something and everyone's tweeting about it like it's, it's so you're exposed to so many more people now Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's so interesting because um, before I put out my uh, before I put out my first novel, I had already put out a couple of albums, so I kind of got used to just really sharing my soul to the audience. Um, but when the book came, when I when I was done with the book and I had the book in my hand and everything was done, it was it was a bit there was a little hesitation to press the publish button. Or, you know, because it's like, wonder what people are going to think. Are they going to like it? Are they going to accept it? Or did I share too much? You know, so it's, it's, it's so amazing that even at the very end when you have your, your entire book in your hand, that hesitancy, uh, you know, you're real hesitant to, to, to kind of put it out there, even though for me I'm, I'm used to, you know, opening myself up to criticism because I, I feel like that's how you grow as an artist. Um, and, you know, as a writer, that's how you're going to grow as a writer. You know, let people read it and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and chew it out. <laughs> you 
you know, it's your soul. But, uh, you know, if you can manage to, I feel like if you can manage to handle that, um, that, that criticism and, you know, some is good, some is bad. People are not going to like it. It's going to be good for some people. It's going to be, people are going to think it's horrible, you know, and just, uh, you know, maintaining, um, uh, your, your drive to write, your passion to write in spite of all that. I think that's where, that's, you know, true art in my opinion. <laughs> well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, being a musician and writing, you're kind of, it's kind of like the same energy, and I, I was just wondering if uh, you feel that um, your musicianship has helped you with um, maybe like the rhythm of language when you're writing. You know, I think my experience as a writer has helped me, as a, as a songwriter, has helped me more with structure, because, um, you know, I think had I not um, put out music, I probably wouldn't be thinking about too much organizing all of this stuff into an actual story because you know the thing is is with uh, with music and songs I've got to organize you know ten songs into one collection um, which is an album um, and I want people to feel something you know from the collection of songs um, that that I'm giving them so when it comes to writing stories I think that by doing that and, and having that experience, I was able to um, go back and really comb through and edge out the story to make it make sense um, to someone who's reading it for the first time rather than just going crazy with my imagination, which is what I do, you know, like in the first and second draft, you know, it's just write whatever. But now it's like, let's turn this into a story. Let's make it make sense, you know. So, um, so I feel like it's the same energy, yeah.
when you write a song, um, I I would think that there's something you want to share with someone. You want something, you want someone that listens to it to get something from it. And mm-hmm. do do you have the same kind of thing with the book you write? Do you, do, is there something you're hoping people get? Like if I was to buy Minor Assassin, read it, mm-hmm. other than the top line story, is there, is there some sort of thing you're trying to get across to me? Or is it- You know, um, some, some interesting things I wrote in Minor Assassin did have some personal, um, like for instance, um, you know, he's a, he's a young African-American boy in Japan. No one looks like him, and he doesn't speak the language. So there's all of these uh, different weird experiences that he have where he's out of place. You know, he does something that's out of place. You know, maybe he goes into a shrine he's not supposed to, or he's playing a certain kind of way, and you know, that's just not custom. You know, in in that country. And I and I, and for me, you know, having toured and traveled all over the world, I've, I I had to learn some <laughs> some hard lessons about customs in many different countries. Um, and I kind of felt like I I was just naturally relaying that into John's character, um, albeit from a uh, point of view of, of a boy, <laughs> you know, who, who's, who's, who wants to know, you know, where can he get his little video games, just little stuff that, it, that would be uh, important to him um, at the time, and because he becomes, he really grows up, you know, in Japan real quickly, um, much faster than had he just been in America, because, you know, no one's there except for him. There's uh, another young lady named um, June who knows his father, but still, even though she's a close friend, she's she's uh, from China, and it's just, you know, just a different, you know, and I, and I felt that way before, um, you know, traveling uh, to countries. So I, I think I do, you know, um, even if I'm not planning on do that, doing that in my writing. Hmm. So your main character, John, um, where did you get him from? Like, where does that character come from when you're sitting down hmm. and writing? Does it? Do you ever wonder? You know, <laughs> that's a really good question because, you know, it's it's crazy because, um, you know, John, um, in the beginning, you know, of the story, he, it's a really happy life that he, he lives in and they have a very nice home um, you know, they're not they're, they're not they're not worried about money he's kind of a techie you know he knows how to use uh, all types of computer devices and um, decking out his um, dad's car with uh, other little devices and things like that so he's a smart little uh, little kid I don't know where because <laughs> I can't say I was that smart with tech techie stuff when I was eight um, that came from but I wanted him to have a little edge you know a little nerdy little boy he was sort of and he had a sister named Jayla and she was older you know and um, he didn't like that she would get a lot of attention for certain things or whatever um, but it just becomes so real you know when she's taken away and the family's taken away to someone is eight years old you know what do you do with that right um, and you know, it was, it, the only the, the the best thing that he did for his entire life was stay in the pantry when the Asians were in the uh, and and the gangsters were in the house and and not move. You know, crying to his own silence. You know, and that's the only thing that saved his life. But I really can't think where I got <laughs> this character from, honestly. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people say um, with fiction writers that when you create a character like that, you you end up putting a lot of yourself into that character too so a lot mm. of the mannerisms or thoughts are you're you're developing this character in the story and the things mm-hmm. that he decides to do or not to do comes from you in a way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not sure if I would have, uh, well, maybe I would be. I mean, he becomes really brutal, you know, and that's why the story's more for adults. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if I'm as brutal as I wrote him to be, um, but I gave him the freedom to, he's only killing bad dudes, so... <laughs> So how long have you had this feeling that you wanted to kill a lot of bad dudes? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, it's better to feel it than, uh, than, to, than to do it. I felt like I wanted to kill my brother sometimes. So, I yeah. mean, right? But I don't. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. There's that. When you when you uh, when you write John or any of your characters, uh, can you hear them in your head? Do you have an inner monologue? Um, I, I'm also curious if if that's how you write music. If you hear the lyrics and the uh, the music in your head before you uh, put it down. You know, I will say that it's always great if you can hear the music in your head before you start putting it down, um, um, because now you you have a blueprint or something to work with. Um, a lot of times when you, when, when I'm uh, pressed, when I, when I was signed to a major label and I'm pressed with deadlines to get music done, you have to sit there and come up with something. It's like, well, I don't have anything right now to, <laughs> to come up with, you know. So, But then there are these times where um, a, a song or a melody will just kind of pop in your head and be like, wow, I can really feel that. So, And then you start... Um, you just try to like what I do is I use a um, audio memos recorder just to like sing the melody just a little bit because I'll forget it. It's like it's like it comes to you. You've got thirty seconds to put it down and it's gone. You know. So when it comes to writing, um, I think that um, at, at least for these um, uh, the first two novels, so for, for Zarya and for Minor Assassin, I had a lot of the story. Well, certainly for Minor Assassin, I had the idea of a lot of the story in my head. Um, because um, the, I'm actually going to continue Minor Assassin into a series of um, teenage assassins around the world. Basically, these are they, they're, they're they're killing bad people around the world, but there's different ones, you know. So I'm kind of expanded. That's kind of been in my head. And I, I barely started writing some of that too, because um, um, while John is actually in Japan, he meets um, he meets a kid from Germany who who's there, and then another kid from Kenya, and then another kid from England, and it seems like um, um, the, the organization that his father was working for were creating a network of some sort to take down um, criminals around the world, so um, so I'm, I'm planning on expanding that, and that's kind of been in my head a little bit, so I would say to, to make this very long answer that I just gave you <laughs> short, um, yes. <laughs> I could have said. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We can cut it. No, just um, now. I, when you're when you're doing this, I, I wonder. You know, when you were younger, um, did you ever have an issue telling your family that you wanted to be a musician? Actually, never thought I would be a musician. You know, when I was younger, um, it never occurred to me. Um, honestly, I mean, um, the, my first experience with music i mean of course i used to dance to michael jackson when i was eight and seven you know because i love michael jackson um but i didn't think that i'd be doing anything serious um but there was when i when i when i was 11 i remember um my mother taking me to this church where they had this really amazing band and um and singers that were just singing you know just great singers and and the band really was a band that really caught my attention though at church i had never seen uh people 
play like that or perform like that. So it made me excited to want to be a part of it. Um, but the first instrument that I started playing was the drums, although, you know, I'm known as a saxophone player. Um, that was my first instrument because I was just fascinated by the guy who was playing the drums <laughs> at church, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and that's really where I started out. And, and, and I, my, my mother, you know, she encouraged it, you know. Um, in fact, um, I didn't start playing saxophone, which was my prime instrument, until um, high school. Um, and my mother, when I graduated middle school, when we went to high school, um, she, she, the first thing she said, you know, to the administrators is, I want him in band. You know, and you know, as I said, what he plays, you know, I said, well, he plays the drums, you know. So I went to band class, and you know, the um, the uh, music instructor uh, said that they already have drummers, so if I want to be in a band, I got to play something else. Um, took me to a band closet, and you know, let me choose uh, an instrument. Turns out the uh, saxophone looked the most expensive, and, and <laughs> it looked like it was made of gold, and <laughs> it looked challenging. So I said, you know, show me how to play that. Wow. Um, that's that's pretty amazing. So now and now you're into the writing, and um, so you want to make this a series. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you, do you do? You sort of have this planned out in your mind. Do you do you sort of like even when you did Minor Assassins, it sort of sounds like you just sat there and wrote as it came, and no no thought. You know, I would say I thought about it a little bit. Not as much as I wrote, <laughs> but um, as far as uh, the series, I've probably been thinking about that now for more than a year because the way that I want to write it is like I wrote John's story as an entire novel, um, and then I'm going to write um, another uh, teenager story from the point of view in another country like Mexico or something like that, like there's a young girl in Mexico, um, and I'm going to write her story, but it will be a short story but she's a part of the same organization and then eventually everyone will come together in some sort so that's kind of what i've been building in my head <laughs> oh, got a plan here okay <laughs> <laughs> i just need time all i need is i get more time like get a couple of more hours maybe i need like 28 29 hours in a day yeah yeah <laughs> get a lot more. <laughs> well we'd all like that but i don't think it's going to happen you know um, well, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. What, what's your biggest piece of advice for someone that that's, you know, wants to be a musician or a, a writer? Maybe what would you say to someone like that? Start writing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, you know, it's the first step is you know start playing. I mean, you know, um, you got to decide. Yeah, you know, if if you want to uh, be a musician, um, you know, if you can get yourself a guitar or uh, something like that. That'd be great. Find artists that inspire you, that you want to hear play, you know, that you listen to. And if you can get inspired by another artist that you really love and imagine their song coming through you, you know, that's where you really find that passion is through someone that you look up to. Um, and, you know, when it comes to writing, I mean, some people like, you know, some people write who don't read a lot. Some people write who do read a lot. Some people have their favorite authors and stuff like that, you know. So maybe you can try out your own story. Just start writing, <laughs> really. And, you know, the thing is, a lot of people say, you know, I can't write or, you know, I never experienced with writing. But, you know, you get better writing by writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. That's with anything. Um, mm -hmm. So you you have, obviously, people you look up to music-wise and that influence you mm -hmm. or have. And um, mm -hmm. was, it, was did you have any writers that kind of rubbed on, off on you any? 
You know, uh, David Baldacki, I love his uh, stories, of, uh, which is more real-world CIA, FBI kind of stuff, you know. Um, I picked up a lot of stuff when I did uh, Minor Assassin from some of his books. Um, I love Mary Lou, um, um, some of her fiction stories, and, and, and which also deal with like a teenage kind of a thing, too, with a touch of fantasy, but not too much. Um, you know, uh, James Patterson. Um, there, are, there are many different writers that I look up to. It's, it's interesting that sometimes um, they have something different, you know, like... Um, like uh, it seems like David Baldacki continues to write, you know, in a certain genre, uh, which is like, uh, you know, the CIA murders, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, which is a different, you know, for me, I can't say that I've nailed down my genre yet. I, I do know that I like dealing with teenagers. I do know that I like dealing with fiction. Um, I do. I do like. You know, flying cars and drones and and you know space stuff, but then I also like real world stuff too. So um, we'll see where it all leads me. <laughs> I, I got a new series out called Time Lab that I just uh, put out. It's a, it's a short series, um, um, and I and I got the first one uh, came out uh, earlier this summer. And, and Time Lab uh, is a story where um, a, a scientist from the past, two thousand years ago, is building a time machine. And there's a scientist from uh, current day who is a student in college um, who's also an, into physics is um, going to be working with someone from the past, but he doesn't know it yet. Um, and, they, you know, it's just interesting how that story is more of a um, real world, but it's still science fiction because you can't actually build a time machine. <laughs> At least that you know of. <laughs> At, least that I, At least that I know. That's true, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you never know. Um, well, that's, it, it's all very interesting. You sound like a very creative person, so that's uh, you got a lot to get out there, and so that's that's really cool. Did you, do you find that um, the way um, the world, especially let's say the U.S. in the last four or five years, has been, including pandemic and and all all of the controversy going on, does it does it stress you out, and does that affect your music or even your your writing? You know, it used to, but, you know, now I think uh, more recently, especially after the pandemic, I find that, um, you know, there's this solitude in art, you know, it's just when you're, when you're an artist or when you're being creative, everyone else is quarreling about all of these trivial things. And some of it's serious or whatnot, but I kind of feel like it's the music, it's the stories that bring us all together, really, you know, um, as a human race. <laughs> you know, if I can't speak Japanese but I can play a song, they can feel me, they can understand me in that aspect, you know. Right, right. And that's mm -hmm. important, you know, the, mm -hmm. making connections um, everywhere you can, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah, I was just wondering, because, you know, because if stressful things happen to artists, a lot of times some really good art comes from, you know, their own uh, hard experiences, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, really. A lot of it is, you know, I mean, for me, even each album had something to do with what was going on in my life during, during those times, you know. Um, you know, there's an album um, um, that, I, that I that was mainly focused around um, when I reconnected with my father. Hadn't seen him since I was seven. So a lot of music on that songs like Back Together Again or The Reunion, um, upbeat songs and stuff like that. And then, you know, more recently I wrote an album called Touch, which is more of a seductive, sexy, lustful kind of record. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, 
So, um, you know, yes, they're, they're about your experiences, I, 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 I would say for sure. <laughs> wow, there we go. You have you heard it here. Um, so if someone was saying, which, which album would you recommend someone buy of yours if they've never heard of you before, which is hard to believe, but if they haven't, what would you say the one album to get um, would be? Wow, that's a hard one because, um, you know, my biggest hit song is on my second album that came out in 2009. However, um, my uh, Touch album has a, a bigger reflection of my personality, um, even more so than the second album. It's hard to say, you know, um, which album. I, would, I mean, if I just had to and I couldn't, I would probably give him the album Touch. I would probably say that one because um, that one um, kind of covers a lot of ground for me as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. You know, uh, that sounds exciting. So, um, and now, how do you like people? Do you like to interact with with fans or, or people that read your books or listen to your music? And if you do, how do you like to interact with them? Like, what, do you have a Facebook page or do you have a website? I love interacting with uh, fans, especially as a performing artist. You know, generally after every show, I'm, I'm doing a meet and greet. I'm signing CDs and different things like that. People can reach reach out to me um, on on Facebook or Instagram, and you know, they send a message. I, I respond to my messages. Um, and when it comes to writing, same same thing. You know, I, I talk with authors. You know, we butt heads, and, or we talk about different ideas, or how better to market our book, or different things like that. So I'm very open. Um, if people want to follow me, they can follow me at Jack King Joyner. Um, that's my tag, pretty much everywhere. Um, J e c k i e m j o y n e r. Um, I did create a separate website for only my literature and for writing, um, joinerbookclub.com, which has, um, you know, reviews and um, my books, obviously. <laughs> and, um, you know, joinerbookclub.com, you can connect with me there. Or, but if you want to find out more about my music, just go to my website, jackiejoiner.com. And we'll have that all up on the website so that listeners can uh, get to it in one click. And, uh, there you go. Yeah, and I have. Uh, I just wanted to ask you. I know this is a, this is a, like a really big question, and uh, but just to encapsulate it, I, I see that you wrote a book on it. How did you get into the music business, and you know, become a, such a success? You know, um, it's interesting because um, I, I was living in. Uh, I'm from Virginia, um, and I moved to. Um, Los Angeles, um, I remember an artist telling me, I was saying, you know, if I want to make an industry, what do I need to do? They said, well, you're going to wind up in New York City or Los Angeles. I already lived in New York and it was too cold, so I chose Los Angeles. <laughs> um, you know, and it's crazy, I, I, I produced a demo and I was sending out my demo to just like a bunch of people, a bunch of like record companies, you know, solicited material that they really didn't weren't interested in <laughs> and um and uh, I, I but i remember um one big time manager um um getting my demo and he actually called me he said he wasn't interested at the time but but <laughs> um but he he said it was good to keep doing it and um you know send us something else you maybe a year two years later but it reminded me when i was in high school when i was playing for jv and i wanted to be on varsity and the crazy thing is, is just because you didn't make varsity doesn't necessarily mean you can't make varsity next year. So what I, I took that mindset and wrote an entire album called Baby Soul, which was my first national release. And I sent that album complete to the to the uh, manager. And then from there, he got me a record deal. 
Uh, I think my my last job was in 2006. I was working at Target Warehouse, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I and actually got fired from there. And the very next day, that's when I was meeting with the, the big time manager. He had the album. He said, "Let's remix it. Let's remaster it. Let's get this." famous artist on it let's get this other famous artist on it and then let's put it out and um and, and honestly i hadn't had have i not stuck to my guns and put the, and, and, and just said you know okay it's okay turn me down i came back a year later with something that he really enjoyed so i think that was kind of the moment <laughs> and, wow. uh, when it happened for me you know um from there everything you know i started performing with you know um, george duke marcus miller Ronnie Laws, Gene Carn, Angela Bofield, and I was performing with all of these big time artists and I'm just a young guy, you know, I'm like twenty seven years old. <laughs> you know, playing with these big time artists. It was just I was starstruck everywhere, even though I was also performing. I think another artist said, If you're also one of perform one of the performers, don't forget that. <laughs> well that's well that's great. I mean there there you go. From from Target to to Lady Gaga. Here we go. <laughs> Well, it's it's certainly been a pleasure having you on. Um, you know, hope you keep doing well, and and your book sounds fascinating. Uh, we'll have that up on our website, of course. And uh, wow, so um, our guest today, we're talking to him about his new book, Minor Assassin, and it's been a great conversation, also about his his music. Uh, so, Joaquin Joiner, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been fun. Good talking with you guys. And by the way, I will not be peeing on anyone from stage. <laughs> oh, well, then. <laughs> because <laughs> you guys told me with that, that girl, who I don't know who it was, but, geez, that's still ringing in my head. I can't believe someone actually did that. Yeah. Well, I, I would have <laughs> went to your concert, but now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. So you just reviewed that uh, show, that movie, didn't you? The... Oh, um, Red Notice. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time remembering the name, but yeah, Red Notice. Yeah, that's kind of a, yeah, for some reason the name doesn't stick to me either. But no. but we watched it by accident, and it was okay. It's okay. It's yeah. That's basically what it is. It's not extremely funny. No. It's Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. Right. And that's very Canadian, you know. Do you know his cynical, that, that attitude? Don't you, can't you find any similarity with me? He's so much, this is like how the half, the, half the country is, is just like that. Like a lot We'd of his. put you in a Deadpool uh, yeah. suit. Well, it'd be pretty bad looking. It wouldn't look like this. <laughs> he's, you know, he's all buff, but, uh, his, that, that kind of, I don't know, cynical, smart ass attitude is very mm. Canadian. That's it's a lot of what he does and says just comes natural. That's just how I am too. I get I have the same sort of thing as him. But anyway, yeah. So the movie was okay. He seems to play every character now the same with that same cynical mm. uh, com- comedy approach. Yeah. Well, he's just being himself. Yeah. He's being Canadian. <laughs> he's being Canadian. He is being so Canadian. That's so. Canadian to, to to like make fun of everything, um, but you know and Dwayne Johnson is Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, you know I could take or leave Mr. Dwayne the Rock. Mm. Yeah, I could take or leave him. He's just kind of like a he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the modern time, I guess. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. I I could take him or leave him. It's not a big deal, but um, <laughs> but the movie was okay. I mean, you can sure tell the. Well, yeah, and that's mainly because of the production. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was slick. Yeah, but they know how to do that. You know, it's amazing when, when you've got money behind something, how you can make make it um, a better movie than a lot of the ones that are out there that are you can tell aren't made that good. And, yeah. And they don't really have the acting people in there that could put on that sort of show, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, and it looks like there would be more than one. Yeah, they did leave it open for a sequel. So yeah. people who liked it enough. I mean, I, I guess I'd watch the sequel. Well, yeah. You know. With all the stuff out there now, it wouldn't. it's kind of one of those things that wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but it's not an all-too-important movie, that's for sure. It's not. No. It's not something that you can't go without. <laughs> you know, that's I mean. true. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. <laughs> The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.